What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast, the official podcast of MetalNexus.net. I am one of your hosts, Daniel Terry, and with me, as always, is, well, I'm just going to call my co-host for this one, because he wasn't on the interview, Jonathan Beatty. <laughs> How are you doing? Oh, man, I'm alive. That's Flyleaf. Oh, that's right. Man, I messed that up. I know you love your Christian hard rock music, but uh you know it's funny I I don't as much. This was a this was a unique interview for me because uh obviously you know I haven't been listening to stuff like Deicide my entire life. So you know we all had to start somewhere. And where did I start? I started way back in the day with some Skillet. It was kind of funny listening to you talk to and if you haven't guessed either by looking on your phone screen or whatever you're listening to this podcast on and seeing who the guest is which is john cooper of skillet and fight the fury too you know this is one that we got offered very randomly uh and i love the the thread of the email uh amy who runs the publicity firm that we deal with with a lot of the bands just sent me an email and the the subject headline was just skillet with a question mark (laughs) (laughs) and just when you see it like that you just it's very amusing uh to to see um and I kind of was excited about it. Uh, he had been on Talk To Me podcast uh, a little while ago, and I thought it was a pretty good interview. It seemed pretty jovial, very upbeat, and, you know, gave good answers. And, you know, when we do these things, you know, something Dan has kind of uh, hit on quite a bit is the fact that sometimes he's surprised at what I'm able to get out of people. And I, I think this is a great example of uh, Dan being able to pull out some really interesting stuff uh, with John and kind of being a longtime skillet fan talking about new things and so forth. And uh, this is, this is one like when I listened to it to edit it and kind of just know what was going on so we could do this part of it. I like, I like texted my wife at one point. I was like, Dan did really good. Like, you know, usually he, he doesn't like doing 20 minute interviews, but man, he like really knocked this one out of the park. He kind of did like what I do where it's like, all right, like I got 20 minutes. Let's talk about as much shit as I possibly can. Yeah. I definitely tried to slow my questions down as that's kind of a trope that people have with me. They're like, Dan asks, uh, Dan makes a 15 minute statement and then the guest, you know, will, will respond yes. <laughs> to, to whatever he said, either. A yeah. Yeah. Yes. Or, I don't know, maybe, or I can't talk about that. <laughs> and uh, no, it wasn't like that at all. You know, with John Cooper, he's he's a very, very upbeat guy. <clears throat> he's very positive. I, I just feel like he's the kind of guy that no matter how bad of a day he's having, you'll never be able to see it on his face. Um, you you can hear it in his music, but you, you definitely, definitely can't read it on his face. And Skillet was interesting to me because they were a band that, has just gone through so many incarnations and and so many different sounds over the years. And we talked about that a lot, actually, in the interview, just about how, you know, they went from being kind of a hard rock band starting out, and then they went into kind of more of an industrial techno direction. They moved, ended up moving out of that and kind of back into the hard rock sound. And uh, it was a little bit more, like, revitalized. And I always just kind of wondered what his mindset was going going into all of that and, and going through the changes and, and being stuck on a Christian record label and, you know, kind of kind of feeling like maybe the creativity was limited in a way uh, to where they couldn't go in a direction that they kind of go in now, now that they're kind of more of a, uh, a crossover. I consider them to be like a crossover mainstream act at this point. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if if you're playing, you know, mini arenas and so forth or, you know, playing arenas outright and you're playing with the likes of a breaking benjamin and so forth and i think maybe there was a bad wolves tour in there too when they were had them open or something i'm not sure but i mean at this point skillet i think is as big of a commercial radio rock band as there possibly is that also has ties to the christian community i think i had sent to you in a, a text or something about how i've always been aware of skillet because they used to play out here at this festival, and I don't know, and I still don't remember what it's called, but I just know that Skillet typically was like the headliner, but it was like a big Christian music festival thing that comes around around Christmas time. Winter Jam. Yeah, that's it. And I always thought it was a uh, fucking monster trucks. No, Winter Jam was a Christian rock festival, and yeah, Skillet was always kind of the headliner, and they actually brought in a lot of people from the community that way. I think. The interesting thing about Skillet is they're the ultimate success story in that they started back in, like, 93 or something like that and literally worked as hard as they could to get to where they're at now. They they don't have the, you know, well, we sent it, we sent a demo and then Sharon Osbourne heard it and then we became huge or something like that. You know, it wasn't like that. It, with Skillet, it, it was just, like, 
we're going to go out, we're going to be rock and roll, we're going to play anywhere we're allowed to play. And, you know, he, he kind of got into that a little bit in the interview about, you know, how they were so afraid whenever they went in their hard rock direction that they're the more that they're more famous for now that they thought that was going to be career suicide. You know, that they'd spent so much time trying to build this on the sound that they had transitioned into. The transitioning out of it just seemed, like, crazy. Now, it's funny. I know you and I have, like, a, a mutual love for a lot of the same era of music. You know, that, that early late 90s, early 2000s kind of metalcore. And a lot of it, you know, obviously being, like, Christian-tinged uh, with Solid State and Tooth and & Nail and so forth. But the thing that's kind of interesting to me in thinking about it, and, you know, I don't think I've even asked you this, I know we've touched on it a little bit with the whole Azalea Dying thing, which is, you know, just how much of the, the backlash and shit is because the band used to identify as a Christian band, so on and so forth. But now, adversely, when, and the only bands I can really think of that have done this, um, although this band, the main influence that I'm thinking of has always maintain their values but you know you look at a band like pod that's one of the few bands i can think of that crossed over into commercial rock radio and is there much of a backlash for from the christian rock fans or whatever when a band starts achieving success like it is when your favorite underground metal band starts getting some notoriety and you're like fuck man like no you sold out like is it is it still the same or are christian fans kind of more understanding and be like yes go spread the gospel of of the things that we love about you and and you know and embracing the fact that they their favorite thing is getting bigger i think for skillet specifically they're definitely kind of immune to a lot of that oh really i've noticed because yeah like i don't really hear that many people trash talking to skillet i mean obviously there's there's always going to be that one guy you know in the facebook comments or or something like that. But even then, I've noticed even the people that don't talk highly of Skillet now are usually just people that were fans of the band and either didn't like a musical change that they made, you know. And there are some people out there that are so religiously zealous that no matter what, like if they if they if they somehow perceive that the band has compromised in their message or in their mission or whatever. Like, it's never going to be good enough. But I, I think that that really encompasses, like, less than 1% of, of the amount of people that really listen to the band. And, yeah, I, I definitely don't see that with Skillet as much. I mean, there's there's going to be guys like me that are like, hey, guys, you know, you guys used to be heavier. Why don't you guys beef it up a little bit? But then he comes out with Fight the Fury after that, which is kind of more of a realization of that. So, in a certain sense, they're still listening to that fan. You know, and so, I mean, you got to give them that. Do you ever envision... I mean, granted, we only have one Fight the Fury record, but in listening to a couple of interviews that John has done, you know, it sounds like he is a more old school metal fan, you know, between like Metallica and Megadeth and so on and so forth. They're, you know, more so thrash metal. Yeah. Do you think if we get more Fight the Fury stuff that we're going to kind of see a, a Stone Sour Slipknot thing where the the lines are a little bit blurred between the projects and you're just like, well, eh. I think John's voice is very pop centered and i'm not saying that as a bad thing i mean obviously he's far more successful doing that than i am at anything that i've ever done <laughs> but i can't so. but i yeah but i can say that i think that john is he, he he has such a distinct voice that i think especially with the fight the fury songs that we have out now uh, there's people they're gonna be like wow this sounds like old skillet you know this sounds like you know their heavier stuff it's obviously it's obviously harder than that even but i could see people having trouble distinguishing i think i think he's going to have to really try hard with another release with fight the fury to really differentiate it from the skillet sound but i think that's just a growing pain you know like recently on discography discussion we were talking about devil driver and how and how dez on the first devil driver album still sounded like cold chamber dez yeah Yep. And and I think that I think it's just the same thing. It's like, well, he's been doing the skillet thing for so long that yeah, sure, he's going to put out a heavier project, but it's still going to sound like skillet because number one, it's him singing and he has a very distinct voice. And um but at the same time, you yeah, I think I think over time we're going to start seeing them incorporate different elements into it. I mean, I I would love to hear Fight the Fury throw in some older thrash influences. 
uh, any and stuff like that, or it, maybe even uh, take a swing that nobody would be expecting, which would be to to double down on those industrial elements that that Skillet used to have. You know, some of the bands that he talked about in the interview, like Rob Zombie and and Marilyn Manson, Fear Factory, Marilyn Manson, stuff like that. Like, I, I could I could see him taking the band in that type of heavy direction. Um, which I think would be almost more interesting than maybe them going like towards more of a metalcore sound or, or, or you know whatever's popular now. But I think I think any any project that he's involved in is going to have pop hooks because that's just that's just who he is as a songwriter. And I think this is as good a time as any to get into your conversation with John Cooper of Skillet. So we will talk to you after that. <laughs> I have the pleasure this early afternoon of talking to John Cooper of Skillet. How are you doing this afternoon? Dude, I'm awesome. Great to be chatting with you. Yeah, man. It, I, I just uh, got to, I listened about three or four times. You guys just dropped a new uh, a new single on, well, it was on Friday, but I was a little late to the party. So <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I had to pull it up and give a listen. This song was called uh, You Ain't Ready. And, uh, and it's obviously for your uh, new album, Victorious, which is coming out in, what, two days? You got it. I'm so ready for this record to come out. Oh, my gosh. You hear that? Somebody uh, opened their, uh, their car without their uh, There you go. They found their alarm button. Oh, no. <laughs> now, this is rock and roll. People listening are like, what are they doing? Uh, yeah, this is rock and roll interview. Yeah, so pumped about the new record and so pumped about the new single. Ready to have this album out. Oh, you're kidding me. Listen to this guy. I can't figure out his Ford. Luckily, I can't really hear it on my end, so uh, the listeners won't. Oh, good. I, yeah, their their ears aren't oh, going to get blasted. Right. I I assumed it'd be like super loud through there. That somebody's like, I don't understand how to use my box button. <laughs> right. No, you're good. You're good. Uh, it, well, I mean, between that and my kids are upstairs, just tearing the place apart. So, you know. <laughs> yep. I hear you on that. So, yeah, rock and roll interview for sure. We got kids and car alarms and all kinds of chaos going on. <laughs> well, one thing that I noticed about You Ain't Ready is that it had uh, a little bit more of an aggressive guitar crunch to it, something that I kind of uh, haven't heard from. I mean, obviously the guitars are always are always uh, crunchy and in your face, but uh, sure. it, it, sound, it sounds to me like maybe you guys might be going in a little bit more of an aggressive direction with this new record. Yeah, I think that's probably the case. You know, I think... Um, Corey, which is uh, my wife and my guitar player, and, and she does our producing, me and her produce the record ourselves. And I think because of that, I think we were able just to kind of do a little bit more what we wanted to. And sometimes when you, you produce records with people, uh, I mean, we have our own sound, but the more other people get involved, it can tend to get more polished as it gets involved. You know, sometimes like, oh, we're going to make this sound even better than the last one. And then it just gets a little tamer and tamer and tamer and it's not to say that i don't like you know the records we released because i i always do we try to make it raw but this one was like you know what we're producing ourselves we want this to be a little more you know a little more teeth and a, a little more gut punching and so yeah the, the guitar tones are a little bit more in your face i think i would say they're a little crunchier personally and we were able to kind of just take more time because you're not wasting anyone else's time it's okay to waste your own time but when you're in a studio paying a bunch of money, it's like, oh, crap, we just need to hurry up and get this thing recorded. This one was kind of fun. And so I think the overall project just feels a little bit more, it feels meaner. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, and that's cool. It's 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 fun seeing that seeing that output. I know you've always been the the self proclaimed metal guy uh, in Skillet, so I'm always like, no. Whenever I hear something super polished or whatever, I'm like, oh, just just wait a few tracks. You know, it's gonna get uh, it, <laughs> right. it, it's gonna get dirty. You know, <laughs> eventually. Yeah, yeah. I have to admit, I'm a I'm a pretty old school um panhead, so to speak, and uh, so awesome. my my very my very first uh, favorite song by Skillet was a song called "I Can." <laughs> oh man yeah God, way back i love it yeah i probably would have been about 12 or 13 years old um seeing you guys do the do the church runs and, and all that uh back in the day and uh 
So yeah, whenever the interview landed, I was like, oh yeah, dude, we got we, <laughs> we got to get in and talk. That's awesome. You know, and one of the things that I kind of wanted to get into, and uh, and we will we will talk about your uh, your Victoria Sky tour uh, here in a little bit, but uh, kind of go back a little bit. Well, a long, a long bit actually, and just and just kind of talk about the different sounds of Skillet. You know, you, we'd had we'd had the first album, uh, which was a rock out, which is actually it's funny. You look at your first album is almost in, in a certain sense more in line with what you guys are doing now. You know, at least at least for that time. And uh, so you know, we we'd gone from a hard rock sound and into a more electronic rock sound, and then into into kind of more of what you guys are doing now, which is more of a a hard rock, you know, um, all around sort of sound. I guess my question for you is, you know, what what was it like navigating through through all of that, and and, and trying to what, was it difficult to kind of try to find that sound that that you knew was going to resonate with people? Yeah, I mean, I, there's a few things. You know, one thing is that. Uh, it's fun to try new stuff, you know? Um, now if I was Metallica or ACDC, you know, if I kind of, you know, created the wheel, like one of those bands did, I probably wouldn't be looking to change anything. Uh, but you know, the truth is that most of the rest of all of his bands are mortals. And, uh, we, we kind of got to try new stuff to keep fresh. And, and I think for me, it was like, you know, I want to try something new, but at the same time, I would like to find something unique about the band then when people hear it, they go, you know, bam, that skillet, that sounds good. And uh, I think in, in just kind of, you know, w- w- wading through trying electronics was a lot of fun. And I loved all of that. It was very, some industrial influences there. And you still pick up on that on skillet records today, obviously. The electronics is, is a little bit kind of, that's kind of what we've carved out our position in. We're a hard rock band, but we've always been open to embracing electronics and, and symphonies and strings and things like that. And I think that kind of, that kind of skews the band's sound a little bit more modern. And I think that's why there's a lot of, maybe a lot of young fans that go like, I don't typically love rock music, but I love Skillet. We, we get a lot of that. Skillet's like a gateway metal band for a lot of bands, uh, a lot of fans, excuse me. And I think that's kind of cool because we do, you know, we can go play with Metallica or we can play with Fall Out Boy. And I think that's kind of a unique thing about the band. Right, yeah, and having such a diverse back catalog, you know, you can you can very carefully pick songs that you know are going to resonate with with the crowd that you're playing with. I, I guess one of the things too is, you know, did it ever feel like, you know, whenever you were to switch a sound, you know, whenever you guys transitioned, most notably from the from the more industrial electronic sound into the hard rock, did did that ever almost feel like starting over? I think the more skill it went, what kind of became a, a big part of like the identity of the band wasn't necessarily like a particular sound or a particular direction. After a handful of records, I'd say four or five records, what kind of became the identity was like the feeling of the band. It was the feeling of the lyrics, the feeling of this kind of positive community. Um, That's what we always would get from fans. And I I would say in a certain sense, uh, obviously we're no U2, but U2 is kind of like that, too. You know, they could do a lot of different things, but as soon as you hear Bono singing, it kind of has that U2 feeling, you know? Sure. Coldplay is a similar band in that, in that respect. And I think Skillet was a little like that, too. So it didn't necessarily feel like starting over, but it did have, like, that freshness. And I like that because a lot of people go, oh, man, I heard the new so-and-so record. It sounds just like the old one. And, right. You know, there's a lot of complaints from some people about certain bands that, kind of never really experimented they just keep doing the same thing over and over and it kind of seems you know kind of seems stale and especially if you're a band that doesn't have huge radio support like for instance uh you know uh i, I don't want to name any bands because it might sound like i'm i'm talking bad about somebody which i'm not intending sure. to but whatever band comes out with a new thing even if people are like oh it sounds exactly like their last one if they were big at rock radio last time they probably will be this time too right. they're going to get played you know Nobody's going to not play the new Godsmack record. That, that's a good example. Right, yeah, um, absolutely. And, yeah, and that's not a diss on Godsmack. It's great. They got their sound. They write hit songs. They get played at radio. And even if people go, oh, it's not really any different, it doesn't matter. They get played. Skillet did not get played at radio for 12 years. And so we had to kind of keep creating a new story, a new reason to get people excited. And go, They go, holy crap, they started something brand new. And I like the last one. I might like this even better because it had that freshness. And, and I kind of enjoyed that. It kind of, to me, felt like just an exciting journey of what Skillet was going to try next. 
Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, the biggest the biggest change or the, the biggest thing that caught my ear initially was, uh, you know, whenever you guys did move, you know, from the Alien Youth sound to the Collide sound, that guitar yeah. that guitar crunch that you guys nailed on that Collide album is still one of the heaviest like hard rock guitar. Like it's it's like it, it's actually a couple steps over the line between hard rock and and metal. You know, <laughs> and uh, yeah. And that was the biggest thing that that you guys kind of tried to maintain um, throughout, you know, that that Skillet went from more of a electronics driven band to a a very hard driving guitar based band. You know, is is it ever is is it ever hard, you know, because I know you guys kind of skirted the line between hard rock and metal and you guys kind of always do that. Is it ever hard to 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 hold that aggressiveness back a little bit as you don't want to necessarily go so heavy that everybody's just stopping and looking at you, you know, like at the end of back to the future, <laughs> you know, where, yeah. <laughs> where yeah. he melts everybody's faces off. Solo. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all just standing yeah, and he's that. like, Oh, I guess you guys aren't ready for that yet. <laughs> Are you ever yeah. afraid of getting so aggressive that I you mean, age that? Not really. I mean, for me, it's just kind of about, I just want to know that I have songs that connect you know, songs that people would, would want to hear a lot. You know, like, for instance, like, I'm a big fan of Five Finger Death Punch. Uh, it's kind of like super heavy, and but kind of but kind of poppy, you know, at the same time. They got these great pop hooks. And so I, I kind of don't mind, you know, I like the idea that it would be really aggressive and really in your face, but really I just want to have the right songs. And so we kind of just try to massage the music to fit the song. Uh, and then again, that was what was fun about producing this one is that there are some songs like you ain't ready or like legendary, um, that we could have made not as heavy cause they're actually quite poppy in terms of the vocals, but, but, but instead of kind of dumbing it down, you know, and, 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 you know, taking off, taking off the edge to it to make it very broad, we decided to kind of maybe pump it up a little bit and, and make it you know, make it feel like a really heavy rock song, even though the vocals are very pop, you know, very hooky. You can imagine crowds singing them and chanting them. And again, that's kind of in line with what I hear Five Finger doing and, uh, you know, some of my, my favorites, Breaking Benjamin, bands like that. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely uh, I definitely could see that because it's it's a lot of fun to have, you know, to kind of just have that feeling that like okay everybody's on board with this and I think that opens up the door maybe a little bit for you to be more experimental uh, musically because the vocals are there sure. the songs are there people can still sing I think that's the hard balancing point is like can people still sing it but we're also challenging ourselves musically yeah I think the most we did that on this record was on the song Save Me and that is probably the most um, in terms of what you're talking about. Probably the most we've done that in probably three records would, would be this song, Save Me. And, and that, that was intentional. I was thinking it's such a, a pop uh, hook. It's so memorable. It's catchy. It's melodic. And let's just make the music uh, really interesting. There's like a lot of double kick on the chorus and a lot of like palm muting on the guitars. And, and it's got this bridge that's really, uh, <clears throat> it's not really prog, but it's got like a great, you know, drop to it that's a, uh, I don't know, a little bit like something, like I say, uh, Five Finger might do, or even old Rage Against the Machine, a little bit of that kind of riff to it. And it was fun to kind of experiment and, and, and show show off a little on that, show our metal chops a little on that song. Well, and uh, speaking speaking of metal chops, kind of what I'm getting at, too, is, you know, what what is the balance? And I know you, you briefly talked about this on the, uh, on the Lead Singer Syndrome podcast uh, that you were on uh, relatively recently, and... Uh, you know what the balance between you know you now having to split your songwriting between two bands uh with uh you've got skillet you know is your main and then you've got uh fight the fury is that kind of your way of balancing the sounds out even because with fight the fury you don't there doesn't have to be any restrictions you know as far as far as heaviness yeah. and aggressiveness goes yeah that's right you know fight the fury was fun because <clears throat> sometimes i do write songs that I'm like, man, I really like this, and I think Skillet could do it, but it might just be a little much. You know, My Demons was, was a Fight the Fury song, and, um, you know, that's a song that I wrote for Skillet originally, and then it just it just never really happened. It was just too much. It was, it was too heavy. It was too screamy, and, uh, and I thought, you know, it'd be really cool to have a, a project 
where I can do anything I want to do and, and, and scream. And, and you could start this song with a guitar solo if you wanted, like old school Metallica, you right, know, like yeah. Ride the Lightning, you know, it could be a six minute song and the first minute and a half is a guitar solo. That's just really fun. And, and, and uh, our fans respond really well to Skillet does that kind of stuff live, you know, not on our records, but live we do it and our fans enjoy it. So I thought, why not have a project that kind of delves into that? And I kind of thought for all those old Skillet uh, Collide fans that, that want Skillet to be like super heavy, maybe they'd love Fight the Fury. So it's actually really fun. It's not stressful. It's, it's actually the opposite. It's really a release and it's a lot of fun to play live. Yeah, I can imagine just being able to kind of get up there and go off, you know. Yeah, totally go off and show off too. It's people are like, "Oh my gosh, I didn't know you could play bass." And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm a bass player." I've been, I've been playing bass forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know, and and to kind of go in a little a little bit of a different direction, you know, um, when, when Skillet first came out, and and again, I don't think this was a decision that you or the band had made, but was pushed more heavily by the so-called Christian music industry. And um, I say so-called because it's just a totally different thing than I think it was probably intended to be. But, uh, you know, is, is it easier now, and I would assume it is just from listening to the records, but um, is it easier now to experiment with new sounds and ideas and to go into certain directions lyrically than maybe it was whenever you had a, a record, when you were on a record label that was more focused on, you know, ministry-based music? Oh, yes, certainly. I mean, I mean, and that's not a diss on the Christian music industry or the labels, really. It's just, it's just kind of like what it is. Um, and you, you know, I think without Skillet being, you know, a, what I just call a rock act, meaning a secular, you know, crossover rock act. Without that, you know, I don't even know if Skillet would be around anymore because there's just not much of a platform anymore in Christian music for for rock. So I, I think. The skillet is more known now as a rock act, I would say, than a. I mean, we're known as a, as Christians, of course, and that we came from here, but we're really just known as a rock act. And I think that that's cool because I never wanted to only sing to Christian people. Uh, never o- wanted to only be in the Christian music industry. I wanted to just make music to, for all kinds of people, and because I always, I always had this view that music brings people together, no matter where you come from, color, skin, religion, politics. All that doesn't really matter when it comes to singing a song about love, you know, or going to the prom, you know, <laughs> going to the prom and remembering that first date you had with, and the song that was playing on your first date. You know, that's kind of what music does for me. But I wanted the freedom to be able to sing about things that matter to me. And, and sometimes those songs are about God and my relationship with God or what I think about the world and how how it uh, goes through my worldview, you know, spiritually. So um I'm not disappointed in my my journey. I, I've loved it, but uh, but I, I never wanted to be you know tied down only to the Christian music industry. I just wanted to make music for all kinds of people. Sure, and I, yeah, I, I totally get that. And yeah, it's not really a diss on the industry. They just kind of do what they do. You know, that's right. That's a good way to say it. Yeah. They do what they do. That's right. And uh, and you're you're right about that. That's something I haven't really thought about until you said it. That there isn't really a lot in in that industry anymore for rock bands. It's either it's kind of weird how it's it's the it's the soft worship music or it's like the super brutal you know uh, heavy bands. Like they they found this weird uh, divide there. <laughs> and so for a band, yeah, that's... yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Yeah. Well, they kind of had that like uh, it kind of started with Tooth and Nail records way back in the day. And then it kind of morphed into what I, I always call the hot topic, hardcore bands like uh, Norma Jean and as I lay dying. And there's these like brutal hard, young, hardcore um, um, metal bands, uh, devil wears Prada. And then you find out somebody's like, yeah, I think they're a Christian band. You're like, what? Yeah, I didn't know that. So they were, you know, hot topic, hardcore. Uh, it, it's kind of strange, but these days that's a very, very small niche and it's mainly, as you said, worship music in, 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 in the Christian music scene now, mainly worship music. Yeah, and that's good. I mean, that those bands get their get their distribution and get, you know, the stuff that they need. Um, but, uh, yeah, to kind of to kind of move off that, I it's uh, I, I guess one of the things. Well, I, I'll just say one last thing about it. That's one thing I've noticed listening to the records is, you know, the 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 quote unquote Christian music era of Skillet. You know, which would have been like before the before Collide 
was, you know, very worshipful and obviously very sincere. You know, like I don't doubt that there was sincerity sure. in that stuff as well. Uh, but it was very refreshing to hear, like, lyrically it started to get – and I don't even want to use the word negative because I would never describe Skillet as a negative band. Uh, but it, it definitely, like, starting to deal with issues that just the general populace at large is dealing with um, versus just a small yeah, sector of the community. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. that. And that was something that when we were making Collide, I was like, hey, you know what? You know, I, I, I love where I came from. I, I love the Christian music industry, but we're not going to keep getting bigger here. And I just want to make a really great rock album and not have to worry about any of the strictures of all the other stuff. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But I want to make a, like a real a real uh, rock album that all kinds of people can relate to. And honestly, we didn't think it was going to work. But uh, amazingly enough, we made the record, and you know, Atlantic Records ended up picking it up. But w- but we didn't know that going into it. We were making the record, knowing that there's a possibility this could be the 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 career killer and and for our band. And I, that was all right. I wanted to go out with a bang. And in the end, you know, other things were were meant to be. Yeah, you couldn't have been more wrong about that. Yeah, it actually was uh, was your guys' yep. springboard into where you're at now. Um, and, and just from that Collide record, which was just like a heavy, dirty record, you know, uh, you guys were able to take that sound and refine it even further, you know. And that yeah, that that's the most that's the most uh, interesting thing about it is how. You were able to go, you know, to take that dingy sound, make it, um, refine it even further, and have now taken that sound and split it into two bands for people to listen to. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> so you know, expansion is the is the way that it is is the way of the world, right? Yeah, that's right. But uh, before I forget, I'm supposed I, I have to ask you about this tour that you have uh, with Alter Bridge and Dirty Honey called the uh, Victorious Sky Tour. Is this uh, yeah? So w- when does this kick off, or is it you're not already off? All right. Are you? Well, first, uh, first I'll, I'll I'll give a little plug. We're actually leaving on a, a tour called Victorious War Tour that is going to be going in a, about ten days from now, and that is with Seven Dust and Pop Evil and Devour the Day, and we're doing about twenty dates on that run, and then we go straight from that run. Um, into the Victorious Sky Tour, which is with, uh, as you mentioned, Alter Bridge and uh, Dirty Honey. So yeah, and then straight from there to Europe. So we got a pretty, uh, we got a pretty busy year. <laughs> yeah, it's, I was. That's one of the questions I was going to ask you: Is do you guys ever take breaks? I mean, it just seems like, it just seems like all the time. <laughs> I mean, I have never gone to the to the Skillet Facebook page and not seen the little icon that pops up that says on tour. <laughs> Yeah, we we work really really hard, and uh, and that's how we that's kind of how we cut our teeth, you know. Because as I said, we didn't have radio for a long time; we couldn't get played to save our lives, and so we just had to keep touring, creating a name for ourselves from from live shows, putting on great performances, giving the fans time, you know, trying to make something special of a live concert enough that people would go, "Man, I want to see that again," and bring my friend, you know. Um, and that's how, you know, we ended up we ended up selling a gold record on Comatose without any radio hits, and that was a that was a ten ten years of of road touring and word of mouth and and trying to make better records and better records. And Clyde was a hit for us, and then when Comatose came out, it just it just exploded and and changed our lives. So we owe our fans a lot, but because of that that touring, we just kind of we're used to it, and we, we work really hard. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, with the last with the last couple of minutes here, I'm gonna uh, ask you know, with you being the metal guy, I'm predominantly a metal guy too. So like all the, uh, you know, the Metallica, the Five Finger Death Punch. What uh, what what metal bands are you uh, are, are you most excited about, or that you that you listen to currently? It doesn't even have to be a new band or anything. Just uh, if if John Cooper had a had a definitive playlist of bands you should make a playlist out of, what would they be? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, uh, Metallica, um, Five Finger, uh, I'm going to put Breaking Benjamin in the metal category, um, cause I, I like, I like them and they, 
it's it's kind of right in that line between metal. I mean, they're heavier and darker than us, but um, but they're not necessarily like hyper energy, but it's got that like metal feeling, you know, almost like Tool. Um, you know, if I could expand it out even further, I would say things like Rob Zombie and Manson. Um, uh, there's more, but I can't all of a sudden, I, I, all of a sudden I'm having a hard time thinking them, but there's more. Uh, well, those are my, those are, those are probably like my, my favorites. So that, that, that'd be on my favorites list. So you're, so you're telling me that if I, if I put all these bands into a playlist and shuffle them, then in six months, I'll be able to write songs just like Skillet. No, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. You're like, yeah, yeah. I mean. I don't know how much all those bands are influential on Skillet, but but it it is because it all kind of goes into the pot, you know. Obviously, you wouldn't listen to Skillet and go, "Oh my gosh, sounds like Metallica." It's not really like that, but it's certainly all in the pot. Yeah, no, that's cool. I I, <laughs> I always love throwing that out there. It's like, yeah, sure, buddy, sit down and write some songs, and we'll see uh, we'll see how it goes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, John, I really appreciate you taking the time out to talk to me today. It's uh. It, definitely a lot of fun and answered a lot of questions i had just as a long time as a long time skillet listener I've, I've i've been through you know whenever whenever you've been listening to that long you almost feel like you're taking the journey with the band you know and uh and it's, sure. it's always fun to to see it grow um is are there are there any songs off of uh victorious that uh that you want to highlight that that you think uh might be the biggest hits for uh maybe not hits necessarily well, but just hits to you yeah, let's see. We talked about Save Me. That would be one I definitely would highlight because to me, that's one that goes back to the Collide and Comatose era. And, and I think that like our hardcore fans that have been with us for a long time, I think they're, they're going to love that one because it kind of harkens back to that time period. And uh, it's a little bit more gothic in the lyrics. You know, the lyrics are darker subject matter and aggressive. So that's one that's very special to me for that reason. Victorious, the song, is my favorite song on the record. And in some ways, it also reminds me of the Comatose era with the big symphony and that kind of thing. Like when you hear it, you go, oh, that sounds like Skillet. It has that thing to it. Even though it's a ballad, it's not super heavy, but it's it's more of a ballad feel. But it has that uplifting you know, you feel like that you can face the world kind of feeling to it uh, for the song Victorious. And it's special to me for lots of reasons. It also deals with, you know, people that are struggling with depression and wanting to, to encourage people to believe, you know, to have hope. And those things are really important to me. So maybe I'd, I'd probably highlight it for that reason. Um, me and my wife did all the string arrangements and orchestra arrangements for that. So that was kind of fun. Yeah, it's always always been a staple of the sound. Have you guys ever thought about? Yeah. Uh, you know, I always say thought about like it's financially feasible all the time. But uh, have you guys ever thought about doing like what Metallica did and actually performing with a live sure. symphony? Yeah, yeah, we have. You know, I think you never you never know. I, I have a feeling that we will do it at some point, even if it's for like select shows. Um, so that has come up, so, and, and nothing would surprise me. Alrighty, well, I'm gonna go ahead and, uh, and and get off of here. Let you get back to your day, but I just wanted to say thank you so much for uh, for doing the interview today, and uh, we will uh, we'll look forward to seeing you. It looks like you guys are coming here to St. Louis uh, on the uh, on the Alter Bridge tour uh, in October, so uh, get to get to come by and see uh, see all these new songs live. I love it. Yeah, come out and say hey, dude. I will absolutely do that. All right, I appreciate it. Alrighty, man. thanks, John, so much. You take care of yourself. Yeah, you too, buddy. Later. And that was my chat with John Cooper of Skillet. We had a fun time. It was around lunchtime, so my stomach was definitely gurgling towards the end of it. You didn't have a skillet full of food? I did not. That would have been great if I'd have stopped off at, like, Denny's and got the breakfast skillet. I've been like, all right, let's go, guys. Set my computer up right there at the Denny's. <laughs> I've I've definitely have done some podcasts in some interesting places. I just don't tell everyone about it. We wouldn't want that. I think one time you did a you did a uh, seven dust interview in a closet, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Wasn't necessarily a closet. It uh, I had my old job. I uh, apparently didn't like the fact that I kept using their conference room that they never used. They used it like once a week for like 
40, 40 minutes. Uh, and then it was just basically an empty room that no one ever used. So I constantly used it to do interviews. And then someone was like, oh, you should find someone else to go do that in case we need to use the conference room. <laughs> and so the only place I could go where people weren't having lunch and I felt rude, you know, impeding on someone's lunch while they were trying to watch TV and such was like this weird broom closet type thing uh, that didn't have a ceiling. Um at my old job so it's like you can still hear at times the presses and stuff running and so it uh just turned into a thing where i was like well i guess this is a thing that's happening now yeah that, i remember that being really funny because you, you were like i think you even told him that you were that you were yeah. in a closet and he was just like oh okay that that's cool i did i did it for Tremani. <laughs> well speaking of seven dust uh i believe skillet is going to be on tour with seven dust yeah which is which i was surprised by i didn't realize that i knew uh I knew that they had had a tour coming up with Godsmack, but uh, if I had looked a little bit further uh, or a little bit closer, I realizing that they're actually were going out with uh, with Seven Dust, which I think that'd be a really cool show. And and to my point about Skillet being able to bust out heavier stuff, you know, they've got a catalog now to where they can play a set with Seven Dust and it'd be yeah. aggressive, and then they can go out and they can play, you know, more for the radio rock crowd. Well, I think even adversely, Seven Dust could do the same. They have enough totally, kind of more totally. radio hits too. I think it's. I mean, it's one of those things. A lot of people, I think, whether you're a Skillet fan or you're a Seven Dust fan, I, I don't know that there's a ton of crossover, honestly. Like, but it is one of those things that I don't think it's so drastically like, oh my god, I can't believe that. But it's like, I think fans, if you're not, if you don't know who Seven Dust is because you're a Skillet fan. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised by Seven Dust. And adversely, I think if you are a Seven Dust fan and don't really know much about Skillet, you probably will be pretty surprised by Skillet set. So I think it's a, it's a good matching and a good pairing for a tour. And, you know, I, I guess when you have two bands that have been around for, fuck, almost a million 20 years, plus years. Yeah. yeah, you know, and have all these records and success and so forth, that it's just inevitable that, you know, you guys are going to cross paths at some point and hopefully do a tour. Yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun getting to ask him because it's one of those things where I think a lot of people don't associate Skillet with metal necessarily. And all I, all I kept hearing in these other interviews uh, with John was that, you know, he's like, yeah, I'm the metal guy in Skillet. I, I listen to, to the heavy stuff and all that. And <laughs> that's why I, I kind of wanted to get to the bottom of that because I, I, I guess I always wanted to know, like, you know, how heavy are we talking? Is, 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 is John Cooper like rocking some Acacia strain or something like we don't know about it or or, or what's going on with that? And uh, and I, I think it's interesting too that that all the bands that he picked, you can kind of you can kind of hear them in the skillet sound. Yeah, yeah. Um, so two things actually. Uh, let's let's go on the more positive one. Uh, what are you drinking tonight? Oh me, I've got a I've got some Logboat Snapper. It's uh kind of my go to, and it's fun. Uh, I actually recently came into uh, possession of some actual. Um, so, some actual like tap uh tap label like the wooden tap labels uh oh, okay. so i've got a couple of log boats i've got one for bobber and i've got one for snapper so uh, unfortunately i don't have a keg system at my house so i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to just hang those on my wall as, as kind of mementos but uh <laughs> I, I definitely i definitely love snapper I've, I've gone on and on about it and how it's kind of become a replacement for uh for space dust for me um number one because it's two dollars cheaper and uh it's just it's a little bit more crisp, whereas um, you almost have to be in a certain mood to to drink something like Space Dust. It's just very hardcore, and so uh, I definitely enjoy um, enjoy Snapper just because it's got more of a crisp uh, taste. I don't know if Logboat's gone too far outside of St. Louis. I know Zayo came to town a couple of days ago. I definitely sent them home with some Logboat, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> And yeah, so I, I I've yet to hear the the progress report on that to see if they enjoyed it or not. I'm currently drinking one of the last of my Sam Adams Oktoberfests. Uh, friend of the podcast, uh, Adam Morgan of Hope's Ball. Uh, he and I share an affinity for all things Oktoberfest fall beers. Always we share it. So whenever I see he's got one, I'm like, fuck, I know there's got to be some somewhere around me. So he posted uh, that he had gotten some Sam Adams, and typically they're the first to get out their Oktoberfest out of most of the bigger breweries. And uh, I went to a store probably 40 minutes after I saw Adam's post, and I found a six-pack. Nice. And so I bought one. And, you know, a lot of – I mean, Adam and I were actually talking about this on his post about the same beer. Um, it's not the best Oktoberfest you're ever going to have, but like I said, for the fact that it's a, a, a 
such a widely distributed beer. The fact that, and St. Adams actually is pretty good about this with all of their seasonal beers and so forth. They do a really good job of having a consistently good seasonal beer that tastes good. I mean, I, uh, their cherry weed is always great. Um, I don't drink a ton of it just because I kind of overdid it a while ago, a couple years ago. But it's a great beer. Put some real cherries in there at the bottom of your beer on an off draft. It's so fucking good on a hot day. But no, like Sam Adams, for, for being a pretty mainstream brewery, does a good job of making really interesting, good seasonal beers. And Oktoberfest is one of them. However, there's, you know, I think uh, Adam and I both are, are fans of this brand, uh, Eidinger. And they have a, a margin style uh, Oktoberfest that is probably one of my favorites. Um, there used to be a company here. It was, uh, I think it was just Michigan Brewing. And they used to have a beer called Screaming Pumpkin. They were the same company that made a badass beer, the Kid Rock beer. And it was stupidly good. But then they went under and then sold all their recipes to various companies. And I forget who makes Screaming Pumpkin now. But the best pumpkin beer, and I cannot wait to go get it, is uh, the Pumpkin. But they have a, an Imperial Pumpkin called the Warlock. And the Warlock is just like drinking basically a pumpkin pie. It is so fucking good. It's smooth. Oh, I can't wait to have it. That one. sounds dangerous. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> like to the point where like my wife and I will drive an hour down to Kalamazoo to go get it uh, on draft uh, at this one uh, bar that has like 40 different crap beers on uh, draft at any given point. It is stupidly good. So this is this is one of my favorite seasons for a lot of reasons, uh, weather-wise and so forth, but especially the beer. There, you can't go wrong with good like fall beer. Yeah, totally. I, I, I'm a big fan. Well, it's funny. I don't even know if I could talk about this because my buddy, my buddy Mike Annie, uh makes his own seasonal beers he he basically brews his own beer which i know we all have a buddy out there that's like oh yeah i, I brew my own beer or whatever this guy yeah. is just a beautiful human being and he's way too humble because his beer is like really delicious and we're always like dude seriously like i will set you up with a business plan we will get you a building give you a micro you know what I mean? you could do this for for a living you know and uh, he's always like, no, no, it's fine. I just, I like giving it to my friends and, you know, all this stuff or whatever. And this guy makes a pumpkin beer that is literally like, like you said, John, like um, it's, it's also like drinking a pumpkin pie yeah. and it's, uh, it's stupidly alcohol rich. Uh, <laughs> so it's one of those, <laughs> like you, you really, it, it's it, even for somebody like me, I can only usually only have like one of them because it's so sweet and it's like, it's like almost it's it's thick like an imperial stout without being that <laughs> if that makes sense <laughs> it's really hard to describe because i haven't had it since last october so once uh once he gets a batch of it done i can i can kind of feature it on the show and um you know much to his chagrin i'll be like dude and if you want to order it email this dude you know like, <laughs> i'll put it i'll put it in my order now just like people do for their seasonal pies totally totally so uh we're beating around the bush so you know nope, hold on so actually, there's something else that's, that's uh, it's topical, and you, you hit on it when you mention the band name. But I do kind of want to talk about this, and, I, and we kind of went on a, a long-winded rant recently. And uh, in listening back to it, I kind of liked that that we did that because we don't do it that often. So um, you'd mentioned the Acacia Strain, and uh, saying you know if if do you think John like listens to like something that heavy in recent news as of when we're recording this, probably in the last I think. Four days. Um, if you have seen any metal sites or anything like that, or like heavy, any rock sites and so forth, um, apparently one of the mass shootings, uh, the the shooter was wearing an acacia strain hoodie. Uh, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's been officially confirmed that he was wearing an acacia strain hoodie, but regardless, uh, that's what everyone already started reporting, and news spread like wildfire that you know this shooter is wearing an acacia strain hoodie and the band's got violent lyrics and, and all this kind of stuff because it was for their song ramirez and the band actually posted i think it was on the facebook page or someone posted it regardless uh the first set that the band had played since all that happened and, and vincent was just like you know we do this you know because you all are here and you know like this we do this to cre give you guys a place to come and have an outlet for anything you're going through and to have fun and, and all this kind of stuff and you know it was really touching and then you know they play some of like the most brutal shit ever right of um, course but it was one of those things that it's like you know i'm just kind of getting tired of the narrative of like oh well they were wearing a metal thing so 
must be you know it's the music that's doing it and it's like i haven't we figured out that that's not what fucking is happening it's not it's not the music it's not the video games like i'm sure there's a part of it that maybe is an inkling like just the most minute part of it is but i've been listening to metal music for a long fucking time i can't tell you how many violent video games i've played in my 35 years of being alive and you know what i've never done killed into a fight killed killed anybody now i'm not gonna sit there and tell you i don't put in grand theft auto and mow down a bunch of fucking people with a car with guns whatever but you know what that's kind of what those games are for is to just be so way out there and be like i would never do this but in this this made up fictitious world where shit doesn't it's not real i can live this alternate fantasy i don't even want to call it a fantasy because that gives it too much credence i have this i can do this thing that i would never do because i know that that's not an okay thing to do because i value life i value other people and so the fact that I, I – and for the most part, everyone on the comment section was, was definitely in agreement with kind of what I'm saying. But I'm just tired of this fucking narrative that it's like, oh, he was wearing a metal shirt. Of course, obviously. Yeah, and, you, you know, it's unfortunate that it was the lyrics from Ramirez, which is uh, one of their more um, – Brutal songs. Very brutal, lyrically and musically. And – I think, you know, I mean, I largely agree with what you said, John, you know, that there's no, and I want to take it more logical. There, there's never been a, a study done that has, that has proven any sort of link between violent behavior and media consumption, you know? And I, I think, I think the problem is, is yeah, you know, you can say, you know, music is, can be violent can be an outburst you know i i there's a lot of bands i listen to and i i read the lyrics and i'm like these are coming from a place of hate but at the same time like what's what's better you taking that hate out on somebody in real life or you just channeling that hate into a creative endeavor like being in a band and and writing lyrics and you know um so even even if your lyrics and your music comes from a hateful place I think it's it's the most positive way of dealing with that emotion versus going out in the real world and and and, and killing somebody or, or you know all this stuff and then you know it goes even more meta than that you know because people are like well what about these bands Cannibal Corpse that glorify you know gore and death and all that stuff it's like really you've never bought a ticket to go see a horror movie before right absolutely and why why do you do that because it's kind of fun to be scared. It's kind of fun to have that, like, it's not really happening sort of sort of thing, you know. Um, and I, I wish I had the quote in front of me right now of somebody from Cannibal Corpse being like, dude, we talk about all this stuff or whatever. He's like, and he's like, he's like, dude, but if I saw any of this stuff real in real life, it would, like, ruin me forever, you know? Like, <laughs> y- you know, and, and you just, it, it all just reminds me of that, that whole D. Snyder uh, deal he shows up in front of all these suits and they're like, you know, we're going to tear him apart. He's, and of course, D Snyder being the, uh, one of the most articulate metal musicians out there, you know, <laughs> pulls up, pulls out a pa- piece of paper, folded up piece of paper of notes. And he's like, you know, this is what these songs are about. You know, the, the great thing about lyrics is that they're up to her interpretation and, um, and, and all this stuff. And what it really boils down to, I think, and this is where I'm going to get super controversial. I think it's a lot easier to blame a bad guy, a boogeyman on things instead of really looking at what the actual reason for a lot of this stuff is. And I'm not going to get too hardcore to the gun control thing, but I do feel like people that if they have something in common, like it's really easy for people to, it's really easy for people to obtain firearms and, actual like military grade tactical gear and things like that like that that is the kind of thing that makes these sort of mass shootings possible but i'm not i'm not gonna die on that hill tonight and talk about gun control versus non but what i am saying is that for all of you people that are out there saying that it's metal music and it's video games and it's movies and 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 media or whatever you're you're making the exact same argument 
that the quote-unquote liberals are all making about gun control. But you're turning around and saying that, no, no, it's not the guns, it's the person. It's the individual. There are tons and tons of responsible gun owners out there and da-da-da-da-da-da. Okay, that's your argument. There's more people that listen to heavy metal that don't kill people that kill pe- than kill people. There's more people that play video games that don't kill people than kill people. So if we're going to all come together with this idea of we've got sick individuals out there that need help, then that's the approach that we need to take when dealing with these sorts of situations. Um, Because I think we all kind of largely feel the same way. We just can't agree on what bad guy to blame it on. And the only bad guy to blame it on is the person that committed the horrific act. And then in a weird, twisted sense, we make them celebrities, which I think that that's another – go on a bigger tangent about that, that we, we – people want to be famous for nothing, basically. And I'm not saying killing a bunch of people is nothing. It's the opposite of that. But basically within 15 minutes, we know who it is. We know we, – we have photos of like their social media that's permeating everything. And it just turns into this thing that we, we basically – Everyone wants their 15 minutes of fame, and some people are, uh, I'll say delusional, uh, as to how far they're willing to go for for fame, for being infamous. I mean, I don't know. There's there's a lot to unpack there, but I just, getting bummed out. Uh, obviously, we've had Tom and Vincent on the podcast. I've spoken to Vincent plenty of times at, at shows, and... I think the thing to me is having, especially with our interview that we did, like you said plenty of times in in that intro outro of just how much more nicer, for lack of a better term, Vincent sounds now more uh, not aggressive and, and mean sounding. He's sarcastic and he's dry, but that's to be expected. Yeah, I mean, something that I was hitting on with that interview especially was that Obviously, you know, the band's beginnings and and Vincent as a person, you know, he was much more negative uh, in the beginning. He he was much, he was angry about a lot of things, and that's why their older material is still among what I would consider to be some of the most heavy, aggressive music ever released. Um, But then, you know, when he's going on the interview about positivity and how he's tried to make these lifestyle changes and changes in his, his life and his way of thinking... It's been enough years for me to see that, you know, and and to hear his opinions and, of things and and all that. He's still the same person, but he's a better version of that person. And um, it, so it, it's horrible to hear him, especially at this point in time, taking potch- people taking pot shots at that band and saying that like, oh, you know, this. He's like, dude, these this dude bought our merch, and he's like, and it makes me sick knowing that that he was wearing our stuff. And, and and all that because he completely missed the point of of what they were saying or, or what they were throwing down. And um, that's just – this is a person that, that clearly had issues, and um, unfortunately we'll, we'll never know what those issues were. But uh, this is these are the acts of an individual, and it doesn't reflect um, – it, it doesn't reflect – the band shirt that he was wearing you know right i wear a lot of band shirts you know i wear slayer shirts i don't agree with everything slayer says you know but like i guarantee you man if i ever you know committed suicide or horrible or terrible enough killed another person that would become the reason why i did it you know what i mean like it just that that i would just like to spin that narrative since like you know like i'll like imagine if i like went to a metal show or whatever and something happened and then it's like like oh, guy wearing a Mariah Carey rainbow shirt uh, killed a whole club full of metal people. Mariah's got <laughs> Mariah's got a dark side, man. That, yeah, that's got to that's got to be the thread that we have to go by. Yeah, you just don't see that narrative. Uh, I guess people though don't wear a, bu- a bunch of pop or hip hop stuff. But all that aside, um, this is this has been politically speaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to hit on that because it's it's been very omnipresent in in a lot of the news I'm seeing and people you know giving their two cents. And so forth, and uh, I just I, I really was not a fan of how quickly it, the headline went from you know mass shooting to mass or uh, shooter in the mass shooting wearing a Casey Strain hoodie, and it's just like what the fuck, man, come on. Yeah. Um. So all that aside, uh, 
I know that had nothing to do with our, our conversation with John from Skillet, but, uh, you know, I think maybe he would share the same sentiments. Uh, you know, the whole point of heavy music is to be a release. Music in general is to be a release, not to, you know, and it's a sense of community. That's the thing I think a lot of people would say if you were into heavy music, into metal, that it's a sense of community. It, you know, it's full of outsiders who don't feel like they belong anywhere until they're in, you know, a club full of people who share those same sentiments. So, um, yeah. Um, but if you would like to keep up with John and Skillet, uh, you can find Skillet on Facebook at Skillet, Instagram and Twitter at Skillet Music. If you would like to follow John, you can find him on Instagram and Twitter at John L. Cooper. And if you would like to keep up with Metal Nexus, you can find them at Metal Nexus on Facebook, Instagram at Metal.Nexus, Twitter at Metal underscore Nexus, or simply go to MetalNexus.net. And if you would like to keep up with Dan, he will tell you where he can be found. Well, I can be found on Gmail at Discuss Metal Dan. You can send me an email and tell me about how everything I said tonight was totally wrong and off base. I look forward to that. Or you can tweet at me at Discuss Metal Dan, or you can find me on Facebook under Daniel Terry. Send me a message. We'll talk about it. And if you would like to keep up with all things this podcast, you can find us simply enough at Pod. Email us at BrutallySpeaking at gmail.com. Head over to our YouTube channel and check out some of the interviews over there if that's your preferred method. And hit up our Patreon, patreon.com slash Pod. And for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John. And I am Dan. We will talk to you all next time.